Fortitude is the virtue, the habit of soul by which the Christian does the hard, right thing, even though it is hard, because it is right. But angels can't be courageous. That's right. Only we humans, living as we do in the valley of the shadow of death, are called to this vital, moral, mystic, cardinal virtue of fortitude. Welcome to episode 17 of Deep in Christ. Hello and welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, here at the Coming Home Network International. We're back with another conversation about the daily task of growing deeper in invitation of and relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you again for being here and for being part of this discussion. As always, we'd love to hear what you're thinking about virtue, about life in Christ in general, and especially if you are someone exploring or thinking about joining or perhaps returning to the Catholic Church, we would love to hear from you and journey with you on this ongoing journey of faith that we're all on. Uh, So check out the Coming Home Network at chnetwork.org. Last week, Father Peter and I finished our discussion of the virtue of justice. And so this week, we are kicking off a series of episodes about the cardinal virtue of fortitude, or more commonly called courage. Now, as I said earlier, fortitude or courage is the virtue, the habit of soul, by which we do the hard right thing, even though it's hard, because it is right. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 808, states, Fortitude is the moral virtue that ensures firmness in difficulties and constancy in the pursuit of the good. It strengthens the resolve to resist temptations and to overcome obstacles in the moral life. The virtue of fortitude enables one to conquer fear, even fear of death, and to face trials and persecutions. It disposes one even to renounce and sacrifice his life in defense of a just cause. Today, Father Peter and I will kick off our discussion on fortitude, and again, drawing particularly from the uh, book by Joseph Pieper, The The Four Cardinal Virtues, we'll begin by looking at fortitude as a readiness to fall in battle. Thus, fortitude, even in the small things, always presupposes our human mortality and accepts affronts to the essential vulnerability that we have as humans for the sake of something higher and better. Angels can't be courageous. We can, and we must. We had a good discussion, and I hope you enjoy it. Let's dive in. So fortitude. Mm. As we're starting today. <laughs> we're starting today. Yeah. We're starting. We're starting. We've had a hard time not talking about it because we have. You know, with all the virtues, they're so interconnected. We danced around it. And it's anytime you're talking about prudence and justice, which they, they more specify what the good is, what the goal is, what the steps are. It's hard not to, though, in your examples, to then get right into temperance and, and fortitude because it's like, well, knowing it's one thing to turn to the good, you know, in prudence to turn to reality and to select the thing, in justice to select the, the right step in my duty to God or to neighbor or whatever. But then obviously that's not, that's sometimes the problem was we're not doing that in our lives. We're not living as reasonable, rational creatures that have free will that are called to think and to to discern and to decide. But most of the time it's because it's difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's hard to do. We, we've been in good company though, you know, yeah. because uh, at least Peeper, I think Joseph, uh, Thomas might do too, though he tries to, he tends to be a, try to be a bit more clear cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but Peeper definitely, uh, Joseph Peeper definitely 
uses examples of fortitude and temperance. And mm-hmm. I think what, he, what he, he gets at in doing that and what we have kind of been demonstrating in our inability to stay away from it <laughs> is the fact that it, they're not they're not disconnected they're not they're not things you can just kind of uh, compartmentalize you can't compartmentalize prudence as a virtue apart from justice and, and temperance and fortitude mm-hmm. and uh, even less so I think can you compartmentalize uh, fortitude from any of them as in what we will as we will talk about how dependent they are on fortitude and it is on fortitude and justice yeah um, but that's the point is that that the, the holy life is not you know, it, it can't be divided up. You can't just say, well, all right, this this virtue, like I know I'm a kind of deficient in this and I'm mm-hmm. only going to work on that. You can kind of try to focus on one, but that doesn't mean that you give up doing trying to do the others right. either. You know, it, it just yeah. doesn't work that way. Yeah, the holy life can't be divided up, nor can the holy person. Mm. You know, the I, probably for some of the same reasons mm-hmm. um, that the, the virtues are an organic whole, right. a living unity. So too, the, yeah. the whole person is your intellect, your will, your passions. We can kind of theoretically piece these apart and look at them in an isolation, but in our actual experience, you're always living them all out. You know, they're all engaged, and they may not be working together well. That's a disintegrated life, right? But but they're all there. They're all working together. It just occurred to me that that there's something really essential about that particular envisioning of the human person mm-hmm. that the the more we try to grow in virtue the more that yeah as you mentioned we're trying to become an integrated person which means we're actually trying to become a unified person we're having all our different pieces work together for a single thing and so because yeah. the virtuous man is a an undivided man it makes sense he's not one who's reaching out for these different undivided things say like all right i want to apply this to myself and apply this to myself and kind of construct this, you know, uh, this Leviathan of, of, uh, of different, different attributes and stuff to kind of like then form like this vague image up there. That's just kind of an elephant, you know, which there's the old, (laughs) the old joke that an elephant is a, uh, an elephant is the animal that was made by a committee. (laughs) By committee. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, I love it. So is the platypus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the point is, no, it's supposed to be integrated. It's actually the the vice-filled man who is in an amalgamation yeah. of different of different random bits and pieces. Yeah, that, that's it's so interesting because it is how when when there's a disorder of some sort, mm-hmm. it's oftentimes when one aspect of your human person mm-hmm. is trying to be the whole thing. The person is being too intellectual, or they're being too passionate, or they're or they're they're being too they're all will, you know, uh, or they're yeah, or some aspect of like this, this is true with. Um, there's another analogy here with like with church teaching with with truth that what what what's every heresy every heresy is some it's not there are a few heresies that are completely wrong right there's some piece of the whole mm-hmm. that's being blown up to the size of the whole and crowding out everything else yep. whereas no the, those those bits of truth only fit uh, only make sense when they're in the context of that organic living unity of the whole, the whole of, of the truth, the whole yeah. of the faith. If you overemphasize the humanity of Christ in a particular way, then you then you begin to diminish his the understanding of his divinity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the same with the reverse. And, yeah, or with yeah. the God's foreknowledge and man's free will. Yeah. You know, different mm-hmm. theologies take one and say, well, this is the whole thing, and mm-hmm. it doesn't leave any room for the rest. Whereas mm-hmm. we, we try to live that, that mysterious... Paradox tension. of yeah, the tension of those. The, yeah. They're both real. God says they're both true. I've given you free will, and yet somehow, I know. <laughs> yeah. I knew you before you were born. I know mm-hmm. you now. I know where you're going, and it's all within my hands. It's all within my providence. I don't know how that works. 
It just does. It's the mystery of God. Part of it is always left up to the mystery. And it's funny because some yeah. people would say, oh, they're just saying it's a mystery. Isn't that a cop out or anything? He's like, well, no, because, you know, I don't expect, I don't expect the ant to be able to understand, you know, what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. And, and so like, why would I expect myself to exactly be able to understand the, the very, the being in the mind of God? You yeah. know, we, we, we know enough to be able to say, this is the truth that we hold on to, but the, the, the the deepest and complete you know uh, grasp of that truth for my intellect is always going to, to right. a certain extent escape me. But. And, and the reason that we encounter mystery too is because we we don't encounter things in their parts. Mm. Like we don't encounter people as body parts, right. except again in those very disordered situations mm-hmm. where we are objectifying someone or mm-hmm. being objectified. But no, most of the time, at the best of times, we're encountering people as people. Mm-hmm. You know, we look at a person, we see the person. We're not seeing their individual parts or mm-hmm. their intellect or their will or their passions. No, we're seeing the whole unity. Mm. And so then we might step back and notice individual aspects, but mm-hmm. we always encounter this living unity. And so too, again, when we encounter these saints, when we encounter the person of Christ, we're enc- we do encounter these these pictures of virtue, these people for whom more than uh, in ourselves, more than maybe in people around us, we do see uh, the whole human person you know, intellect, will, passions, body, soul, spirit, the whole thing. They're they're just living fully in an integrated way. You know, there's not there's not a part of them that's sort of lagging behind. It's mm-hmm. they're all they're they're of one mind and one purpose. They're mm-hmm. their whole being. And that's again, as you said, that is the goal here. Mm-hmm. God did not make us uh you know, he didn't make us uh, mind and spirit, but the body's just kind of extra. No, we're right. supposed to it's supposed to all come together. Yeah. To be this this full person, that he, God he didn't to be. he didn't make us human so that we could try to become some alien thing. Yeah, you know, he made us human to be fully human. Right. Now, yeah, he also gives us the ability to become divine as well. But that's 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 him kind of re, you know building off of our nature. It's grace that builds upon yeah. nature. But um, yeah, it's for us to become fully human, and that means to become integrated and mm-hmm. to just basically be what we are made to be, right. um, rather than yeah a vice filled person which in many ways just be kind of becomes yeah, an alien being, you yeah. know, um, something, something else. He becomes a man, he becomes a, a thing of his own creation, yeah. you know, and ultimately isn't that what it means to be a person who separates himself from God is that I'm going to be what I want to be, um, not mm-hmm. what you made me to be. Right. Yeah. There's so segue. <laughs> <laughs> well, courage is so, so I think crucial yeah. to this because there, there is a sense I would say that courage is sort of the heart. Hmm. Well, courage and temperance both, but but there, there's some way in which the practice of courage in the context of the whole of the virtues really does bring this fire, bring mm-hmm. this life, this, in, this inner integrity to the whole picture of, of virtue in, mm-hmm. in a Christian's life. Um, you know, the aspect we wanted to start with of, of courage, and again, we're, we're drawing from Joseph Pieper's book on the cardinal virtues. We've, we've waved it around a number of times here. Um, <laughs> Shall I wave it around? Like <laughs> a magic around. wand? Yes. Yes. All right, help us to know. Yes. Yes. Um, But his first chapter in the section on courage is uh, the readiness to fall in battle. Mm. And that's what we wanted to focus on that aspect of courage today, that the readiness to fall in battle is one way to describe the virtue of courage. You have this readiness to die, this readiness to suffer. But um, this particular chapter gets at a, a very specific aspect of courage, which is precisely how it... Uh, to be courage, it has to reach down to the roots of human vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You know that that fortitude always presupposes your your um, 
your vulnerability as a, as a moral human being, that you can you can die. Mm-hmm. And actually, I'm going to read that little bit. We were talking about it earlier and how it's such an interesting thought that all all threats, all um, affronts to, to human frailty, you know, whether it's, whether it's actual death or whether it's an injury, whether it's even a discomfort or an anxiety, all these, these things, they sort of, they're little prefigurements of this, this um, fundamental uh, vulnerability that we live under. You know, so he, he writes, uh, Pieper writes in this chapter, um, thus, the, the ultimate injury, the deepest injury is death. And even those injuries which are not fatal are prefigurations of death. This extreme violation, this final negation, is reflected and effective in every lesser injury. Thus, all fortitude has reference to death. All fortitude stands in the presence of death. Fortitude is basically readiness to die, or more accurately, readiness to fall, to die in battle. It's such an interesting thought, right, that um, sometimes maybe that's why even the, those small uh, offenses against our human frailty are so annoying, you know, the, mm-hmm. the little annoyances, the little aches and pains, because to some degree what they are is a, a memento mori. You know, they're this reminder, this painful reminder of the thing that we're maybe going through our life trying not to to think about. That's written in my book right next memento to Memento mori. See, there you go. Right <laughs> I, was gonna bring, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, But we're going to die. Yeah. You know, that's this, that we are we are people... Who are going to die at some point. Now, death is not the end, mm-hmm. but it is a reality, you know. And it's a painful reality, and it should be. Yeah. I mean, it's not. It is not, in one sense, natural for us mm-hmm. to die. People like to say death is a natural part of life and everything. <laughs> no, it's actually not. It's a result <laughs> of sin. You yeah. know, it is a result of sin. Death is not the original plan for us, mm-hmm. um, and so it is. It is painful, and it is. Uh, it kind of wrenches when we really kind of sit down and consider it. It wrenches our mind in a particular way. It's like this is old. I have to die, you know. Um, but because of that, it, it gives the opportunity when we kind of come face to face with that mortality and with that vulnerability of our life that gives us the opportunity um, to to then actually be courageous. Because right. and we'll we'll get more into kind yeah. of why that particular. That why that particular facing of the reality of death and the reality of its evil, if it's natural, we call it natural evil, yeah. that that uh, that it gives us the opportunity before to to be actually fortitudinous. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, at the beginning of the chapter, so we you'd already mentioned how our fortitude relies, in a sense, the ability to be uh, brave, the ability to be courageous, relies on our vulnerability, um, our inherent vulnerability, mm-hmm. I should say. You know. Um, because of our fallen nature of our ability to die and because that is the natural result of every person's life now. Yeah. Um, but he mentioned something that is at the beginning of that chapter that seems to just make that so clear Yeah. in that basically he says, angels are not able to be brave. Right. Like, oh, yeah. look at that, you know? Angels are not able to be brave mm-hmm. because they they are inviolable, viable, mm-hmm. you know, in, 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 um, in, in their spiritual nature. Yeah. So... Um, except for, you know, obviously the ability of God to, you know, <laughs> drop anything out of, you know, yeah, existence. But Yeah, and the, he, he begins with this, again, this um, this linking of courage as readiness to die to uh, the deepest root of all these potential injuries to our frailty, to the, the fact that we, um, that we're vulnerable to death and that we will die. Um, because, and th- this is the, again, the important claim he's making in that, that part of the chapter, that 
It's this readiness to die. It's this connection to death that makes all a true courage what it is. And I thought that you know, that was a really interesting thought here. That you know, so what makes true Christian courage? Because, of course, that's what we're we're most trying to get at here. Um, we, we've talked a little bit, I think, in, in a previous episode about how there's a, there's one sense in which um, you can think about the cardinal virtues and you can think about them uh, apart from the theological virtues, apart from life in Christ, and you can kind of imagine what a what a pre-Christian, what a secular uh, um, virtue looks like. Or even in this case, we've talked about how uh, courage must be connected to prudence or else it's not courage. Mm-hmm. But of course, we, we know what we, what we might call an example of courage without prudence. Like we, we can think of what we might call a kind of a temperamental courage. You know, like we, we see somebody who's just naturally sort of fearless. You know, they're ready to jump into a fight, jump into battle. Now, we wouldn't call that a, the virtue of courage, but we can see how it, there's, we might use the, the, the word in an analogous way. You know, it's funny because I'm trying to think about it. I'm, I'm trying to think of a situation where someone, yeah, can, most of the times, even when we would see it in the natural world, even a pre-Christian world, that mm-hmm. there's not really a way to separate them from at least a shadow of those, mm-hmm. those, uh, the, 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 uh, of, of, you know, of, of love, you know, mm-hmm. basically. Um, you know, one of the ways I can kind of think of it is, you know, the, the, tale, of, the tale of Two Cities story, uh-huh. right? You know, at the end of that book. Now, he's not necessarily thinking of it specifically in a Christian light from what I recall from the story, when the man basically decides to go to the gallows for the guy who looks like him, but he decides to do it because he loves, I believe because he loves the woman who he, who she, and she loves that guy. So he wants to save the guy. And so I think that's kind of how it works. It's been a while since I've read that. And Jamar's like, yeah, I'm definitely. Gonna t- I'm going to take your word for it. Okay. I haven't read but, that But I mean, we all, but we all know the quote that he says at the end. Yeah. Right? yeah. It is a far better thing I do now than I have ever done before. Yeah. It is a far greater peace or sleep that I go now than any man has ever known, I think yeah. he says, than I have ever known. Um, he's not thinking of it in a specifically Christian way. And so in one sense we say, well, there's kind of a natural virtue going. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it's still it's still really truly courage because it's being motivated by yeah. by truly, you know, um a transcendent uh values. Yeah. You know. And it's hard to I think it's kind of hard to imagine a real real courage that doesn't kind of take so, that that sort of selfless yeah. uh that 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 selfless motivation to mm-hmm. a moment um, yeah. I'm, trying, I'm trying to think of a situation but well i i don't know yeah I mean, we we used the example of some disney characters earlier you know of like again temperamental you know fearlessness or readiness for battle but no i i think you're absolutely right the way i would interpret that is that you know, all of what we have in our being as humans and all the situations, they all come from God, right? Mm-hmm. And so God's always just kind of a breath away if yeah. we're open to it. Like his grace is always knocking at the door. So whenever we're faced with a, with a situation, you know, of courage, there's always that potential for that grace there for us to say, maybe I don't know why, maybe I don't know, I don't know Christian revelation, I haven't met God, whatever. Maybe that, again, that, that situation, maybe that guy's not even thinking God, that fictional character, you know, but there's a part of him to the degree that he's a real human person, that he, there's always a part of uh, part of his heart that's grasping at that grace, mm-hmm. and he and he can choose it. He can he can cooperate with that grace, even if he doesn't consciously know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I think this this is what's the reason why it was so significant for the church to pick up on the cardinal virtues. Again, they're mentioned in scripture, but it was really the Greeks, the pre-Christian Greeks, who had who had thought these through and explored them 
but the church picked up on them because it recognized, yeah, these these are things that are sort of baked into the human person. Mm-hmm. And when that human person, whether or not they're cooperating consciously with revelation, they can be, whenever they're um, pursuing these, whenever they're, they're, they're turning, again, in prudence to reality and they're practicing these virtues, they are, they're accepting, you know, uh, and cooperating with God's sort of latent grace in their, mm-hmm. in their lives. So I just had this really vivid image of God as this baker. And he's just like, throw in a little bit of this, <laughs> and this throw in a little dash of that, throw in the oven, bake in a human. Yeah. All right. Well, the, the point though I was making though <clears throat> is that, um, again, he's connecting courage, you know, real courage, mm-hmm. the virtue of courage always has its roots down deep in that readiness to die. Yeah. Even if that's courage in relation to this this little difficulty I'm having today or this ache or this pain or this this conversation I don't feel like having or whatever it happens to be, when it's when it's at its hi- highest, when courage really is what it's supposed to be, its roots go down to the very bottom. Mm. The fact of of my mortality and the readiness to die for the good thing. And that connects to uh even like non uh Acts of courage that don't have an, uh, the that sense of finality to them. Right. He mentions that really every injury to ourself, whether it's emotional or physical or you know just anything that harms us in mm-hmm. a particular way, has uh, an element of, of 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 trying to kill us. You yeah. know, I mean, it's harming our mortality. It's harming yeah. our violability. It's harming our vulnerability. Yeah. Um, because of that, it has an element of mortal injury to it, even mm. though it's not killing us. So really, anytime any like harm is done to us, there's a sense there's a sense in which we are facing a mortal, like a mortal mortal harm. Yeah, you know something that that touches upon our ultimate vulnerability, and because of that, it does in some small way it brings us face to face with our mortality and and involves a little bit of death to self right. anytime we do it and, and, that, and anytime we endure it well you know? and that's this, this amazing uh, psycho spiritual truth going on here i don't remember if it's peeper uh, that talks about this or whether i read it elsewhere but pointing out the fact that you know even on the psychological level i think it's mm-hmm. peeper someplace in here talking about how you know a lot the, a lot of the root of even certain mental disorders is a sort of attachment to your life. Mm. You know, so if I go about my life and my aches and pains, um, if my courage, to the degree that my courage isn't rooted in this sort of detachment from my life, like I'm going to be who I'm supposed to be, I'm going to do the right thing, even if it kills me, if that's not the quality of my courage, then my courage is always conditional. It's always calculating. It's always, you know, half-hearted. And so, I really can't face up to those things properly. Because as you said, all those things, every every little ache and pain and injury to myself, it is this memento mori. Mm-hmm. It does point to the, to the fact of my frailty and my vulnerability. And mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting that courage is kind of, to some degree, it's all or nothing, or it's either proceeding towards this, this full uh, mystical courage mm-hmm. that is a readiness to die for the good. I think he does talk about- Or it's not, or it's falling away. I think he does talk about the calculate the calculative nature of mm-hmm. of saints, which I thought was kind of fascinating. He talks about, I think, I, I could be the remembering The validity of all this is not impaired by the fact that the obviously heroic life of the saints and great Christians is far more than a result of a carefully calculated reckoning of profit and loss. Right. Okay. Yeah. That there's this... But, there, but what's interesting is that there is kind of a calculating... There is a sense in which 
fortitude does sort of calculate that. Right. I mean, but but it calculates it. It it, it does a real calculation. It does an actual prudent calculation right. based upon because because ultimately, yeah, if you have way on one side, you know, our death, the the kind of the ultimate injury to self, you know, ultimate ultimate injury to our own our own selves. Yeah. What what can possibly outweigh that until right. you go to the beyond? Yeah. Right. So there's there's. It it would seem that without that, and, and we we should probably go into this next about yeah, what is yeah. what is real courage and what is not real courage. Yeah. But it would seem that any courage that fails to fails to attach itself, any anything that 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 kind of poses as courage that fails to attach itself to some transcendent uh, value that goes beyond this life, mm-hmm. is going to be a certain level of recklessness yeah. or uh, perversion because yeah. uh, because there's really nothing kind of rooted in this in just purely in this world that should almost that should take a, a greater value than us yeah other than than attaching itself to a, a more transcendent thing like sacrificing for another person which really from a worldly perspective doesn't make any sense and yeah. unless it's kind of out of a kind of a recklessness or maybe even sort of a uh, a, a sort of kind of passion and love that that maybe hasn't you know, it's kind of become a little bit perverted, mm-hmm. but it's the type of love that is more transcendent, that detaches itself to God's love, that allows us to sacrifice ourselves for another person with that sort of calculating quality of saying, no, I'm deciding that their life to, is more important than mm-hmm. mine is. Yeah, there's so, this integrity, yeah. there's this power there. Uh, people writes, fortitude that does not reach down to, into the depths of the willingness to die is spoiled at its root and devoid of effective power. Mm-hmm. I guess, the, you know, the, the, the way... I, it was in my mind uh, today when I was thinking about this is how courage is like this link between, um, you know, the, the high, our highest calling mm-hmm. and then our, our, our lowest, deepest vulnerability. Mm-hmm. It's And it's like, it's not truly courage or it's, let's rephrase this. It is courage insofar as it correctly makes that link. Mm-hmm. It, it has its roots sunk deep into the reality of our frailty and our vulnerability. And then it's got its it's uh, it's attached to the height, what we're actually called to, something that's beyond death, and so it's a it's a readiness to su- to suffer death precisely because it's linked to something beyond death, and that's what courage is. And if it's not either of those things, if it's not really ready to die, and if it doesn't really believe, if it's not really attaching itself to something that that goes even beyond this mortal life, it's it's a half-hearted courage. It's a courage that that again, it's spoiled at its root. It lacks its effective power. And this is why, uh, this is what Pieper goes on to talk about, why martyrdom, specifically for the Christian, but in some sense for for even the non-Christian, martyrdom does give us this picture, this definition of courage at its highest. And let me just read that that passage there. Readiness proves itself in taking a risk, and the culminating point of fortitude is the witness of blood. The essential and the highest achievement of fortitude is martyrdom. And readiness for martyrdom is the essential root of all Christian fortitude. Without this readiness, there is no Christian fortitude. And hopefully, because of the preface that we've been talking mm-hmm. through a little bit in terms of this readiness to die, I, I, maybe hopefully that that aspect, uh, that connection to, to martyrdom makes more sense. I mean, martyrdom is a, a scary reality. It's a mm-hmm. difficult reality for us to grasp. But I think in the context of trying to understand this virtue of courage— it begins to make more sense. Courage is what it is to the degree that it is rooted in this readiness to die for something that's that that is beyond and above this temporary mortal life. Yeah. 
So let's talk about, Pete talks about three different ways that we can sort of claim to be ready to die. You know, uh, one of them was true and the three others have a certain falseness to them with right. regards to reality. Right. Um, and it seems like it's appropriate, especially when we're trying to, you know, we've been talking a lot about, in, uh, about, about courage, um, but in terms of, of how it, how it really, of how it really looks and what I think it's it's most clearly elucidated sometimes by showing what it's not, you know, right. and, and it's the same with it's the same way we've seen with prudence in some ways where the first step to kind of understanding prudence is to understand how we've perverted it, you know, sure, um, kind of kick us off on that a little bit. I, yeah. uh, I go back to you know a story from the the tale of two cities a little bit. Mm-hmm. What makes that man's uh, there's something that makes his act his calculated decision to do that in, in kind of the calculating out, looking at, I would say, looking at uh, justice and looking at, you know, uh, transcend, some transcendent values and his calculation and facing up to the fact that he loves his life and does not want to give it up and decides to do it. There's something that is more courageous in that than a man, and, and this may strike people a little strange, I think there's something more courageous in that than a man who, who like, is uh, l- looking at a burning building and hears, like, a cry for help from inside from, like, a child and immediately runs to it. There's to a certain extent that act. There has there's an impulsivity to it. it it's a great and wonderful um, act in of itself. But because um, because there's a lot of kind of other factors that are sort of like immediately influence him to do that, or can be immediately influence him to do that, there there may or may not be as much of kind of a pure courage to it than a man who calculatingly says, um, "I'm going to volunteer, You know, I'm going to make this plan." To basically save this man's life, even though it will necessarily end in my own death, mm. you know, um, and and actually making that plan, looking at the reality of it fully in the face, and then enacting that plan, yeah. um, and, and in many ways that is that is most of the time what a martyr has to endure. They most of the time martyr is not like kind of a, like someone running at them, and basically it says like if you don't like deny God in the next two seconds, I'm just going to swing this axe at your head. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's like, a lot of times, it's a this this uh, this brutal process of, of over and over again having to remain and endure. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about uh, what, and then that, that's a calculated kind of continuous decision they have to make yeah. and endure um, with courage. And so let's talk about the difference between courage, recklessness, and... Uh, what, what, I don't even know how to describe the. Sure. Well, of, no, I think I, I think want, but... yeah, starting with with martyrdom and looking at what it is, what it is not, and you mm-hmm. and you were just given some some examples there of you know, martyrdom does give us this really kind of clear theoretical picture of mm-hmm. what courage is, you know, and that it's it's sort of um, it's it's courage brought out of it maybe it, some of its more common circumstances and put in put into very sharp relief. What what's really involved there? One way we might define it, you know, if we think about the, the pieces of it, accepting death, the loss of, of mortal life, uh, which is a very great good. The, the, the four pieces here that I'm, I'm thinking of in my mind, mm-hmm. Except, this acceptance of death. And, and as part of that, it's not just accept, accepting this evil thing, but but accepting the loss of your mortal life, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. We want to talk a lot about that. Yeah, for sure. You know, the... the the courageous man, part of what makes his sacrifice or his courage so great is because he does love his life. Mm-hmm. You know, he recognizes it's good. He's grateful for it. He thinks it's a great, you know, it's, it's a it's a worthwhile thing. That's why the sacrifice is so significant. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's accepting death, death, the loss of mortal life, 
for the sake of Christ and by the power of Christ. I think those are four aspects here we need to focus on. Accepting death. So this, and this is this is martyrdom specific. <laughs> martyrdom, yeah, yeah. Rather Except than death, because yeah. And, th- and this is this is, we're looking. Then we're trying to kind of get into courage in its purest purest form, um, yeah. um, which is kind of I don't know. It's sort of interesting that you, we we talk about specifically in light of Christ there, because um, mm-hmm. that definitely gets to more of a yes yes specifically Christian understanding of it. But. Right. Well, um, it, so repeat those again for. <laughs> well, what I had written down was accepting death. The okay. loss of mortal life, a very great good, okay. for the sake of Christ and by the power of Christ. And I would say even, again, even for the, the non-Christian who practices courage, this for the sake of Christ, courage, again, even when you're, when you're, you're doing it not in explicit reference to the gospel, it's ex- in explicit reference to the highest good mm-hmm. that you may not have clearly articulated in your mind, mm-hmm. you know, because this is good and right, yeah. because justice ought to be done. Yeah because this injustice ought not to be done and therefore mm-hmm. I'm I'm willing to die to remedy it. So what would uh in, what would, can we think of an example of how each of those things can not be the case? And I think we can. I, mm-hmm. I, I think we can. For instance for the first one. Yeah, uh, except accepting death. The readiness to die. Readiness death. to death. Someone can run into a situation not thinking they're going to die. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, there there can be a, there can be a false perception of reality there mm-hmm. where they don't understand the situation, or maybe they may, maybe just because they haven't even necessarily kind of considered it mm-hmm. as such. But maybe they're kind of in the in the, the sporadic nature yeah. of the moment. Well, and that, um, and that and that too is a habit that comes out of a habit of life. Like most of sure. us go through life not making a habit of, or actually making a habit of the opposite of trying to ignore the fact that we're going to die. Yes. Right. You know, and so when it actually comes for us, when the sickness comes for us or mm-hmm. the the deathbed, like we're not ready for it because mm-hmm. we actually live our lives um, trying to avoid real courage, mm-hmm. trying to avoid again that root of courage, which is this readiness to die mm-hmm. when it's time for the right thing. Yeah, you know, you know it's it's interesting because I'm just realizing that I, in the example that I was going for, mm-hmm. I was talking about the 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 attacking aspect of courage. He, right. he t- Peter yeah. talks about this later that that courage and fortitude the cur- fortitude takes kind of two sort of different modes. Yeah. There is there's the enduring yeah. a, a side of it, the kind of enduring mode mm-hmm. and the attacking mode. Yeah. And so in the attacking mode, somebody can like in, in this example of not accepting death. Yeah. Um, what would that look like? In the attacking mode, it's someone running and bravely bravely into a situation where they're not they're not really considering that they may die. You know, they're, 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 it, it's not. It's not that. It's not that they're kind of willing to give up their life. They're just not even considering it really a possibility. Whether because of kind of uh, certain sort of reckless abandon, mm-hmm. or because just kind of a refusal to believe that one actually can. You know, yeah. we, we can maybe see that in certain situations with uh, in movies. You know, where a person with a certain bravado kind of thinks that they have sort of an invulnerability. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, but in the enduring side, hmm. it's more along the lines of yeah, I'm on my deathbed, and there there there's a there's a certain there's a there's a there's an orientation of spirit yeah. that can be towards of of kind of looking at death in the face and willing to try to accept it and focus on 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 accepting on 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 enduring it well mm-hmm. and enduring it gracefully. I would say yeah, um, rather than kind of fighting it tooth and nail to the end in a sense of uh, just refusing to, yeah. It's, it's not a matter of accepting death in the sense of like, well, I, I'm going to die now and there's nothing else I'm going to try to do about mm-hmm. it, but it's, it's how you kind of, it's how you orientate yourself in going towards that end. Yeah. And I would say that usually kind of, that usually uh, uh, 
reveals itself in how you treat others leading up to your your death. Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah. Um, so, and, but that's, that's yeah. Well, how you live your yeah. again. This is why we're talking about virtue here, because how you live your life, you're habituating yourself for those circumstances. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the reality is, uh, we talk again using martyrdom as this sort of definition that gives that gives definition to courage yes, as we're right. exploring here. Um, will most of us, or even many of us, be called to actual physical martyrdom, like we read of in the New Testament? Well, probably not. But the reason why it remains significant is that we're all called to the many small martyrdoms of of death to self. Mm-hmm. Like that's not optional. You know, Christ says, you know, if you would follow after me, you must uh, deny yourself, uh, pick up your cross, and follow me. Mm-hmm. This self denial, this death to self, that's that is part of the process of our life. And sometimes it comes at us in very poignant, uh, acute moments. Mm-hmm. But the point is how we handle ourselves in those moments. Uh, a lot of that has to do with how we've been habituating ourselves. Do we, are we habituating ourselves by the way that we're thinking and, and making choices uh, to this reality, like an imprudence, this reality that, um, that uh, I am going to die mm-hmm. and this life is temporary and this life is for something greater, for something beyond. And so that when I, as I encounter the difficulties in life, the big, you know, threats to actual life, as well as the small, just the aches and the pains and the difficulties and the anxieties, mm-hmm. am I rooting my my standing up to those things, my persevering through those things, my attacking those difficulties again, both the endurance and attack, am I rooting those in this 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 underlying reality that I'm vulnerable and I'm eventually going to die, and so I can proceed, but I'm called to something greater, so I can proceed with this. This faith in God, this this sort of, it's not a, it's it's a there's there can be an actual recklessness, an imprudent recklessness, mm-hmm. but there maybe there could be a sort of a holy recklessness of the the person who really has grappled with the fact that they're going to die, and so they can proceed uh, in faith and hope in God that you know what God's got this in His hands. My mm-hmm. my job is simply to do the right thing. Well, what would look yeah. like what would look like recklessness mm-hmm. at that point? It looks like it looks like recklessness from the outside because I would say its external components are the same. Yeah. You know, two men can run into the building to save somebody or something, and it can be recklessness on one side and not recklessness on the other. Yeah, because what what habit or what virtue does to us is it yeah. makes a habit of that right disposition, but. You know, the same action can be on one hand more purely virtue and on the other hand not so much, depending on kind of whether it has gone through the sort of the process of prudence um, in, in, in prudence and justice in getting there. Yeah. Um, but but may, can we go back to those four things and try to... Yeah. So, I, I think it's helpful for me, actually, in understanding it, but also maybe for our audience. Sure. So, again, thinking, thinking yeah. in terms of martyrdom, certainly the, the first part first. is the explicit... Uh, topic that we've been talking about today, which is this readiness to die, readiness to die yeah. this this rootedness of courage in in your underlying vulnerability, mm-hmm. the fact that you're going to die. Right. Okay, um, but number two, like number again, two is very related to this, though. It yeah, is related. Very... That what is well, what is death? Death is the loss. It's not the end of everything, but death is the loss of this physical life. Mm-hmm. It's the end of your physical life. It's the loss of your 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 body soul unity. Like mm-hmm. that's disrupted. Um, I guess so. One of you were talking earlier about how sometimes the the errors throw more light on on the truth right. here, and that's why I think, yeah, I think it's important. To talk uh, about the the error. error could be here, you know, that the well, the Christian is courageous because well, he doesn't even think life is that important or valuable right. or good anyway. He just he despises it, and that's not, I don't think, what no. courage is. That, and I think that's the more significant part of your second point. There is yeah. that it's the loss of mortal life, which is good. You know, it's that right. 
it's that rec- it's it's in that recognition that there is a goodness that is lost here. Yeah. One one can face up to one can face up to the fear of death throughout their life by trying to condition oneself to not fear it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's exactly the right way to go about it because usually what that ends up doing is mm-hmm. It's it's well okay. There's a couple different ways I guess you can go about that. But one of them that you can try to condition oneself to not fear it is by trying to basically become detached from it in the in the in the way of not seeing it as good. And right. Kind of and a Puritan. And that's not a, you know, or a like a Buddhistic kind of, sort of yeah. yeah. Be, right. Right. And that's not a Christian attitude yeah. at all. Uh, there's a great passage I'm going to read from Peter here later in that chapter. He says. First and foremost, the brave man does not suffer injury for its own sake. For the Christian, no less than for the natural man, suffering for its own sake is nonsense. The Christian does not despise the things that are destroyed by injury. The martyr does not simply consider life of little worth, though he does value it cheaper than that for which he sacrifices it. The Christian loves his life, says Thomas, not only with the natural life-asserting forces of the body, but with the moral forces of the spiritual soul as well. Nor is this said by way of apology. Man loves his natural life not because he is a mere man. He loves it because and to the extent that he is a good man. Mm. A good man. The the, the love of... So again, obviously we're getting into some Christian paradoxes here. When the gospel talks about despising your life, Mm -hmm. we have to be careful to... What's it talking about there? it's it's, It's the... The consciously letting go or setting aside of one thing for something greater, but not because that lesser thing is bad or worthless. It's precisely because it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, the the martyr sacrifices or allows his life to be sacrificed because his life is something very good. That's what part of what makes it courageous is that is um, he he is not mindless. He's not imprudent. He hasn't bought into a lie that this life is something worthless. No, he's bought into the truth that this life is good, but there's something even better, and that is eternal life. That is, uh, that is justice. That is the Lord. You know, we were talking on the way in here. I brought up the point that, um, that celibacy is a really good example of how this is kind of lived out in a particular way by by certain vocations in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, one one does not embrace celibacy. First of all, it it, it does link to those last two points you make that we're not. Yeah. I'm not going to go into t- super far right now. Yeah. But it does link to those last two points because one does not take celibacy on oneself. Mm-hmm. One is called to celibacy. The same as one does not take martyrdom on oneself. One is called to it. You know, led to it by led to it in a sense by by the circumstances that God allows to happen to your life, but doesn't willingly kind of throw himself into it. Right. Um, but with, with celibacy. Well, first of all, yeah, one is called by God, and so one has to have that aspect. But, but one does not embrace celibacy because one despises uh, the the natural end of one's sexuality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's certainly not. In fact, that's one of the things that they they try to screen for when they're uh, discerning whether you should you're called to seminary or whether you should go to seminary, mm-hmm. is whether you have a misguided or uh, uh, a misguided or unrealistic or uh, jaded view of sexuality huh, because that that uh, one only gives something to to some one gives something to someone that he loves because it is a good thing yeah he only gives good gifts yes. right I mean God talks about this right mm-hmm. if if a even even uh, even a bad man would give his son bread right. uh, when he asked for it if you would do such, how much more will the Heavenly Father give to you, right? So uh, you only give something to someone you love if it's a good gift, right? Mm-hmm. 
in our understanding, uh, you know, a man's understanding of his sexuality or a woman's understanding of their sexuality, that first of all, they're not giving up their sexuality, which is not like we castrate ourselves. But, um, but what we're doing is we're understanding that the the natural end of it is such a beautiful and wonderful thing, but we are giving it up for the sake of the kingdom. We are giving it up for the sake as as a witness to the final things because of our understanding of of that, you know, uh, man, man and woman are not given in marriage, you know, after after, uh, after the, the, the full coming of Christ and everything and the, the final end and uh, the eschaton, all that. We, we, we give up our the natural end of our sexuality um, in celibacy or in, you know, as, a, uh, as a gift to God, a gift of love to God and for his church, um, but also in, as a witness, you know. And that is, ulti- that is ultimately, uh, in many ways, uh, so, you know, it, it's also, it shows what courage is, but it's ultimately small martyrdom, yeah. as with all small acts of sacrifice. But it's ultimately going to be rooted and seen it as good first. It has to be seen as good. Uh, we do not give it up because we despise it or because we think it's evil or because we're, we're hopefully not because we're jaded about it or something or uh, nihilistic about it. We mm-hmm. give it up because we first see it as a wonderful good. Yeah, I think that's, a, that, that's such an important point um, in all this, this keeping. Because again, going back to the, the earlier image of kind of courage as this link, again, it's got to be rooted in, in that lowest um, and it's got to be... Uh, linked to the highest, and the reason why they're in the middle, why courage w- will it, would accept that death, mm-hmm. the loss of life, the loss of something good, um, is because of something greater. But again, it it, it kind of takes a, it, it it loses its quality, it it goofs it up, it makes it very inhuman, it makes it very different kind of a thing. If what's sacrificed is is of no mm-hmm. of no consequence, there's a huge you know? difference between one who is self-sacrificial and one who is suicidal. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. that's... Um, yeah. And there's all the difference in the world. Chesterton all makes, the a, makes a big world. point between that. You know, what, what is the difference between the Christian martyr and the suicide? And he says, you know, that's all the difference in the world. One um, one will will kill the whole world to, to be able to escape from it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the suicide in <clears throat> some oh, sense. Whereas the, 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 the martyr will, will um, relinquish out of love for that world, for for good, for the the people that he's sacrificing for, for the Lord, will let all that go, his own life go, uh, uh, for the sake of love. The mm. the two are are opposites, mm. you know. Even though they can maybe look somewhat similar uh, in a strictly worldly point of view, mm-hmm. uh, they couldn't be more different, you know, because one is motivated by love, and that's yeah. again another essential aspect here. We think of how martyrdom informs courage here, that it, it, it does come down to love. That's that link to the higher thing. The reason why you would accept death, the reason why you would accept that suffering is out of love uh, for the, the mm-hmm. higher thing, the greater thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, again, Matt, we can imagine a situation. I've seen it, you know, we all probably seen it in books and things where someone says, uh, kind of puts themselves in a situation says, no, you know, someone has to be the one to... Uh, Someone has to be the one who stays behind and dies, right? Someone's got to do it. Mm-hmm. And the one guy volunteers and says something along the lines of, I'll do it. There's nothing left for me in this world anyway because <laughs> like, his heart was broken or something, right? right. You're like, you know, oh, you're like, great. Don't do that. Yeah. Someone else go. Someone else go. <laughs> you that's, need to get your soul That's not very first. noble, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because sometimes in those situations and stories and fictions and stuff, it's like something will happen right at the end that it kind of reignites his hope in life. And then all of a sudden he's like, uh, you know, and then he's all of a sudden he's kind of... He wants to do the right thing and everything, but then, uh, but he doesn't exactly have the will to sort of give himself up for it as much. Yeah. Um, 
or doesn't have that suicidal outlook, I guess should say anymore. And we can recognize how there's there's a difference there. You know, mm-hmm. we can recognize just from the outside that there's 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 not uh, there's less of a gift. Mm-hmm. You know, when one is is laying quote unquote laying oneself down because doesn't see the point in standing up anymore. Yeah. Um, rather than laying oneself down be, out of out of love. But. Yeah. So gr- courage is this readiness to die, this endurance of 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 evil or pain or whatever it is. But it's ultimately at its root this readiness to die for the sake of the good, for the sake of doing justice. You know, we just got done talking about justice, uh, and we'll talk a bit more, uh, you know, in, in the in the coming episodes about this necessary, explicit link between courage and justice. But obviously, we already see it here that courage, if it's not trying to bring about justice and if it's not doing it in prudence, uh, then it's not really courage. Courage is this readiness to die for the sake of the good. It does the hard right thing, even though it's hard, mm. because it's right. Mm. You know, and that's the it has to be attached to justice. Yeah. It has to be, and it's not just a one act. Again, we're talking about habits here. We're talking about virtues. Yeah. So it's it's a it's the individual act, but it's also how that habituates that person to be able to accept whatever comes in this life. You know, all the little deaths, and that's that's I think another important point here too about again this connection to martyrdom. That it, just as it's easy to look at the virtue of courage and just think about, oh, those those big, giant, huge acts of courage that we couldn't imagine ourselves doing. Well, it's easy, too, to dismiss martyrdom. But the reality of both is that we are all called to martyrdom. And we talked, again, as we said earlier, that may not be the, the physical martyrdom of the of the, the Christian led before the Romans, you know, but that is the daily mm-hmm. death to self. That is enduring this pain, mm-hmm. this day's trials and tribulations, um, uh, because we've we've detached ourselves slightly from this great gift that we have, which is our life, because we want to remain true, because we want to we we want to we want to win the crown, we want to mm-hmm. be that we want to be who Christ called us to be, we want to love our God, we want to honor our God, we want the Father's name to be hallowed, you know, the whole the whole kit and caboodle. I can think of uh, just for myself and um, for really every Christian father, um, there's a re- there's a real moment where uh, there there's some moments in life where. Uh, your body falsely tells you that you're going to die yeah. if you do the next thing, right? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things like that. We get that a lot in working out or stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. but for uh, for myself, uh, you know, getting called in the middle of the night from the hospital to go and do that, especially when you have like morning mass or something like that, uh, where it's just your entire body's like, no, like you don't have the ability to do this. You're going to die if you do this. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, so dramatic. But but the point is that you can see in that moment there's a clarity in in terms of how the little the little martyrdoms in life are really our training you yeah. know they are training partially because you know we're we're told we're told by our body sometimes falsely that yeah. we're going to die but then it's funny cuz when we do it then we realize oh we're not going to die but we've already faced death in a sense we yeah. faced we we've seen how small injuries always have that small kind of injuries to our person quote unquote injuries um, always have that element of mortal attack. They always feel like they are attacking our mortality in its fullness, not just like, oh, slight harm, but actually feel like they're trying to kill us. Yeah. And uh, and the more that we face up to those with the right disposition, not just because like not, not necessarily grudgingly or, or anything, but trying to face it well for the right reason uh, trains us. Yeah. And, it, and again, it yields that spiritual fruit. And again, mm-hmm. we, it, along with Scripture, you know, we recognize that this ultimate holy death, whether it's martyrdom or it's just the, the death at the end of a holy life, 
that that death yields this resurrection mm. that we're called to. But all those little deaths, mm. if they're born with courage, you know, the little aches and pains and difficulties mm-hmm. of this day, if I endure well uh, those in love, that there's a there's a, a little resurrection, there's fruit that comes from those. And it's not just the, the habituation of those things, but it's, it's a, a different uh, way of looking at life. It's a different uh, relationship with our Lord. There's a natural resurrection in the sense of, well, I don't I know survived. I lived. Right. Well, there's that natural, and then there's then there's the kind of personal spiritual resurrection. And he's mentioned of that deeper connection to the Lord. But yeah. then there's the even further for us as, as, as yes. Catholics, which is the redemptive suffering aspect. Mm. And that's the mystical resurrection for us, where uh, Christ has given us this ability, gives us the right. ability in in the way that his, uh, I heard it, uh, Scott Hahn talk the other day that was really awesome, was that, you know, he didn't, he, he didn't die, he didn't suffer so that we wouldn't have to do any suffering in life. He suffered to basically prepare our suffering to be what it can be now, right. um, which is that he, he gave it the ability to be infused through his cross with redemptive suffering, right. with the power to, to, to bring grace into the life of other people through united to the mystical sacrifice of Christ. And so in the same way that his passion, his, his suffering, passion, and death then leads to his resurrection, which isn't just his personal resurrection, but his yeah. grace that is applied to to uh, human beings through baptism and everything. That our small little sufferings and then resurrections also are have the ability through the power of Christ to uh, bring grace into the life of other people. Yeah. And that's there. There's multiple levels of it, and that's the one where we're going to experience probably ourselves the least. May never even know the fruit of ourselves. Right. But in that way, it's kind of the purest fruit of it, um, is yeah. because it 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 is uh, is a, a sacrifice that we will never see the fruit of, but we have the faith through Christ uh, to endure it well and to trust that good things will be brought about because of it. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, yeah. The the virtues uh, there was such providence again that the the Greeks and the pre Christians, you know, brought these and explore them and brought them together but they mm-hmm. really do they reach their culmination when courage and the other virtues are are looked at in 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 Christ mm-hmm. you know that he he takes our 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 uh, faltering natural human efforts that really would be insufficient you know either to save ourselves or to do any real lasting good in the world and he takes them and because of his redemption now we're able to unite them with him and good really can come from them. And when we are, we're able to cooperate with his grace and, and become who he's calling us to be through those virtues. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think we're going to, we'll leave that there for now. So we, we mainly focused on fortitude uh, as something that has to ultimately be rooted in the readiness to die. And we explored how it's connected to martyrdom and how martyrdom kind of, it, it brings to, to sharp relief what courage looks like in its most acute uh, uh, sense, mm-hmm. example. But we want to we want to explore a bit more um, how fortitude has to be rooted. Uh, it has to be hooked to that that which it's oriented towards. It has to be oriented towards the higher, the greater thing. Um, it also has to be, and that's so. It's, it needs to be connected to justice in terms of it needs to be for the good, for the purpose. That's what courage has to be oriented towards: is doing the good thing. But it also has to be under the guide of prudence. That's a really important point, too. So we'll mm-hmm. explore that more next time. Yeah. Cool. Cool.
Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed our discussion on fortitude this week and that you've been enjoying this conversation we've been having about the cardinal virtues in our lives as Christians. One thing we touched on this week was the importance of memento mori, this mindfulness of death as it stands in the life of the Christian. As we said, the virtue of fortitude always reaches down to the very roots of human vulnerability. The Christian must live prudently, that is, mindful of the realities of things, right? This life is temporary, we're going to die. But death is not the end. We have a Savior who loves us and who has conquered death. And so as Christians, we face the evils and dangers of this world, the difficulties, large and small, ready to die, ready to, ready to lay down the precious gift of life that God has given us out of love for Jesus Christ and for our neighbors, by and through the power of Jesus Christ, united as we are with his own courageous act of love on the cross. As Paul writes to Timothy in his second epistle, chapter 2, verses 8 through 13, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended from David, as preached in my gospel, the gospel for which I am suffering and wearing fetters like a criminal. But the word of God is not fettered. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which in Christ Jesus goes with eternal glory. The saying is sure. If we have died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. We'll be back next week with a more discussion on this virtue of fortitude. And I hope you'll join us for that discussion. But for now, you know, like and subscribe uh, to this show, whether on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube, so that you can follow further episodes of, of this program or other programs coming from the Coming Home Network International. And as always, especially if you are someone who is uh, considering the Catholic Church, whether you're just exploring or maybe you're actively getting ready to become Catholic, or perhaps you're returning to the Catholic Church you've left, the Coming Home Network is your network. It's a network of people like you uh, who are on a similar journey to you and would love to journey with you and answer your questions, etc., uh, etc. Et so visit chnetwork.org to hear testimonies, get helpful resources, but also with just a few clicks, join our online community where you can continue to follow, discuss, and participate in this show with other members of the Coming Home Network International. With that, thanks again for joining me for this episode of Deep in Christ. I'll talk to you next week. God bless. God bless.